Welcome to Kohler Mania. Thank you for joining us today. We are excited to have you today as we have a new topic to discuss. I am Tanya. And I'm Michael. And today we're going to talk about God's covenants. There are a number of covenants. You've got the Old Testament covenant and the New Covenant. Thank the Lord for Jesus. And we're just going to talk through just what covenant means and laying the foundation and also talking through some of the covenants from the Old Testament until we get to the New Testament. So, Michael, do you want to get us started? Yeah. You know, and I love the fact that we have a God that is so personal with Mm us. He didn't just create the world and ignore us. You know, he loves us. He interacts with us. He is our heavenly father. Jesus is our brother and friend. The Holy Spirit lives within us and is our helper. God wants to hear our every care. You know, there are different ways that God interacts with us. One way that God interacts with us is through covenants. Mm -hmm. It's one of the vehicles through which he interacts with us. Another one is prayer, of course. But today we're talking about covenants as a major way that God interacts with us. And what is a covenant? A covenant is quite simply an agreement, like our modern day contracts, which are based on the biblical model of covenants. Both parties agree to do something. I do this and you do that. I'll cut down your tree for you and you pay me money or you mow my lawn. Now, covenants in the Bible are the same way. Both parties are agreeing to do something. God is agreeing to do something and man is agreeing to do something. In addition, covenants usually have a sign and seal for the covenant and action that signals to everyone that a covenant was made. Sacrifices often accompany covenants as well. There are covenants between men and between nations, between man and God. We are focusing mostly on covenants between man and God. And of course, the big covenants in the Bible were the old and new covenant. The old covenant was a shadow of the new. After the fall, we were now enveloped with sin. A holy God cannot be around sin. We needed a savior. The old covenant promises a savior and foreshadowed the savior and prophesied about the savior. And in the meantime, there were animal sacrifices and all these procedures to cover sins. These sacrifices and procedures couldn't take away sins. It only covered them. So these sacrifices had to be done over and over and over again. The book of Romans and Hebrews talks a lot about this. The sign and seal of this covenant was circumcision. All male babies, eight days old, were to be circumcised to show that they were part of the family of God by taking on and agreeing to this covenant, which was your right by birth by being born into the Hebrew family. And anyone deciding to join the Hebrew nation had to be circumcised. The males, the males represented the family. The new covenant was ushered in by Jesus by dying on the cross as the perfect sacrifice to wash away our sins once and for all. Now our sins are completely gone with this perfect sacrifice. The old covenant prophesied this and the new covenant fulfilled it. The sign and seal of this covenant is baptism to show that you believe and want to be in God's family. You are to be baptized as a sign and seal of the new covenant. Now it's important to note that the new covenant did not wipe out the old in Matthew five seventeen, Jesus said he did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. The new covenant rests on the foundation of the old and fulfills the old. It changes a lot about the old covenant, like no more animal sacrifices and all these procedures surrounding that, but it incorporates what it did not change. For instance, the Ten Commandments are still valid. It's still wrong to lie, covet, murder, etc. All the commands and principles in the Old Testament are still valid. The New Testament didn't have to restate these because it incorporates it. Our relationship to God in regard to sin and punishment changed. We are under grace because of the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ. All the sacrifices and procedures don't have to be done anymore. 
I love how you covered that the old Testament is not wiped out because of the new, like that is the foundation. And I think a lot of people believe that, oh, I don't need to read the Old Testament because the New Testament's here and that's the old stuff. But no, it's the foundation. And God is a God of covenants. He is the one that will never break his own covenant. And I like what you mentioned, Michael, about you know, this is an agreement between God and man, but really man cannot keep his promise as God can. God cannot lie to his own self. He is holy and he will keep his covenant. And we'll see that as we get through a lot of the different covenants, but I'm just really fascinated as, you know, you can have a contract with a man and a man and somebody might break it, but God makes a covenant between man, but man cannot keep the covenant. We, as people, we stumble. And so we need God's help. And when we stumble, it doesn't mean that we're outside of God's covenant. He will always remain in his covenant for his children. It's us that has to constantly come to him and renew our hearts and renew our minds and pick up our crosses to continue to follow God. Yeah, and I think that's probably why a lot of people like to avoid the Old Testament, or there's some people that do that, that with all the sacrifices and procedures, and there's there's a lot of lists and genealogies and everything else in the Old Co- Old Testament that could be kind of hard to read, and people see God as being more judgmental in the Old Testament and more grace in the New Testament, but that had to do more with a focus because there was a lot going on with the Hebrew nation where they were just getting off track all the time and just really needed to get back on track and a lot of judgment done on surrounding nations that were attacking Israel all the time. Plus the the New Testament is full of judgment as well. If you look at Revelation, especially Jesus returns with a lot of judgment on the world. And so it's the same God in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Mm -hmm. And it's really good to read the Old Testament to get that foundation because the New Testament rests right on top of it. Mm -hmm. And you can't really understand the New Testament without reading the old. And there's so many lessons in the wisdom literature and the Psalms and the Proverbs and just all the, the accounts of the different people and what they went through and all the life lessons that we can get from that. And so we just learn God's character about life and creating us and, and creating us in, in the womb and all kinds of different principles that are laid in the Old Testament that don't have to be repeated in the New because it's the New Testament incorporates it. So that's very important to have a firm reading and knowledge of both the Old Covenant and the New Covenant and spend equal amounts of time in both. With the New Covenant, I am just so grateful that Jesus paid it all for us. He went to the cross and he sacrificed himself, the ultimate sacrifice, and no longer do we have to pay for our sins because Jesus paid for it all. Could you imagine us taking our animals on a weekly basis 
to have their blood shed to cover our sins. I mean, it's crazy to think about that. But Jesus died for us and the curtain was torn so that no longer do we have to do these types of sacrifices. I know that there's different places in the world that still have that Old Testament mentality. I remember going on a missions trip in Peru. We went near a temple and some of the people were bringing their animals to be sacrificed so that the blood would be shed and that they would be forgiven for their sins. And we were talking to some of the leaders there and they refused to listen. And I just remember what a darkened spirit that was because it just was pretty much taking Jesus out of the entire picture. Of course, they did not believe, but it was just a really strong oppression upon the place. But I'm just thankful, again, that we can look to the cross and know that Jesus has paid it all for us, and now we give our life to Him. Now, there are other covenants in the Bible. If we start at the beginning, you have the Adamic covenant, the covenant with between God and Adam saying, be fruitful, multiply, take care of the garden and obey as a sign of their love, obedience, you know, not eat the forbidden fruit. And I don't really read too much about that. For some reason, it's a very important one, but it's not as profound, I think, or maybe spoken of until we get to Noah. And they're kind of linked together. And I think yeah. that's why you, it's it's mentioned and people talk about the Adamic covenant because yeah. the Noahic covenant is very similar where God starts over with Noah. It's almost like the new Adam starts over with Noah and his family and tells him to be fruitful and multiply and to replenish the earth. And he also then goes on and says, we'll never destroy the earth by a flood again. And he gives the sign of the rainbow as the sign of this covenant. And I just want to go back because last summer we went to the Ark Encounter and it really brought a lot out in my heart just to really ponder and think about this covenant. One thing that really always stands out to me when we talk about the Noahic covenant is that God found one righteous man, one person in all the earth because it was so wicked And Noah happened to be that man. He happened to be the one that would go on this ark and to build this ark with his family. And I think one of the saddest verses in the Bible is Genesis 6, 6. God says, and the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. It makes me so sad because it's like, wow, Lord, you made us in your image, and you're so saddened by the sin that you're going to destroy the earth. And he found one righteous man to be able to continue. And we're here because the Lord has uh, ordained it. But one thing that also stands out is what you were just saying, Michael, is the sign that God gave through Noah. And it's one of my favorite verses because we had we had youth girls come over the summer and these this is one of the verses that I had them remember was Genesis chapter 9 verse 13 I have set my bow in the cloud and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth and also it's between me 
you and every living creature. And I love that God says that, hey, I'm going to make a sign between me and the earth. So I'm never going to flood the earth again. And I'll make a sign between me and you and the next generations, all the future generations that our kids will not have a flood again. And I won't get so deep into this, but as believers, we have lost the fight against holding the covenant, the sign, the rainbow, uh, because that belongs to us. This sign has been adopted by the LGBT community and they have taken it and corrupted it. And I know that there's been times where I've gone to the store and I've wanted to buy my daughter some boots and it had some rainbows on it. And I'm thinking, this is God's sign. It's a covenant. It's beautiful. But I had these thoughts, but what if it shows that I represent the LGBT community? I think as believers, we need to stop doing that and we need to stand up because that is God's promise. God gave that to those who believe that's a covenant. He said, I will give you this sign because I will not destroy the earth. It's not anything to do outside of what God gave. And we should be really proud of the rainbow because it is a sign that God has given to us. Yeah, I just find it kind of ironic that God would use a rainbow as the sign and seal of the Noahic covenant that he would never destroy the earth again from people not following God's ways. And then you have a group that's not following God's ways that uses that very sign for their own organization that's going against God's ways. I just find that kind of ironic. Yeah. And we just, you know, this is just one of the covenants that I really like to stand strong on. And also because God grieved and You've got eight people that survived and you can't even imagine all of the people outside of the boat, how they realized it was too late. Yes. And then the next covenant we want to cover is the Abrahamic covenant where God promises an Israelite nation through Abraham and Abraham agrees to be faithful. They sacrifice animals and God actually walks through the pieces of the animal as a sign and seal of the covenant. Covenants were often associated with sacrifices. In the Hebrew vernacular, you didn't make a covenant, you cut a covenant. The Hebrew word there was karath, for cut. You cut a covenant as if to say, may this happen to me if I break this covenant. And I find it interesting that it was God that actually walked through the pieces of the animal sacrifice to say, that very word as if to say that may this happen to me if I break this covenant. God was strongly making a covenant with Abraham that he would create an Israelite nation from his descendants. Yeah, I I love the story as well, because Abraham, there was a situation in Genesis around Genesis 17 that he shows his human side of boldness because he questions God, like, how are you going to do this in me, God? Look at me. I'm I'm an old man and look at my my wife. She's an old woman that cannot conceive. He laughed, but God was like, no, I'm going to do this through you. It's a promise. God is making a covenant saying, I'm going to do this through you and look at the stars, look at the sands. And on top of that, he makes Abraham a father of a multitude of nations His name will be known. He will be that father. And, 
you see the references of Abraham all through the Bible. And even in the New Testament, um, Hebrews calls it out. He, God is making an everlasting covenant. And it's interesting as they're getting ready to go up, Isaac and Abraham, they're going up to the hill and Abraham is being so obedient. I mean, how difficult would it be to get ready to sacrifice your son because you love God so much, but he believed they would come back down. That's That was a powerful verse because his faith was so strong. And then at that moment, God knew that Abraham's heart he would do what God asked him to do. And from there they sacrificed and they had the circumcision after the eighth day, which was considered that covenant, that seal, that covenant that would um, cover them and that they knew that they were part of God's family, that, that God would promise them from generations on. And then we have the Davidic covenant where God promises David the messianic line of kings, the line of kings in Israel would go through David and the Messiah would be a a Davidic king who would usher in the kingdom of God and suffer for our sins. The Davidic covenant is really special because we see that the lineage of the different kings come through David and Jesus eventually comes through the lineage of David, which is a really important key factor here. Yes, and the, the lineages that are in Matthew and Luke really bring this out, especially Matthew, uh, which shows the lineage through Joseph, the father, whereas Luke shows the lineage through the mother Mary. And when we see Matthew and that lineage, it, we see all these very important kings, and we see how we see the line of, of David's kingship all the way down to Jesus, the Messiah, who is the king of the Davidic line. And that all began with the Davidic covenant. And that's why it was very important for God to continuously throughout the Old Testament continue that covenant with David, despite the fact that oftentimes his lineage strayed away. But he said, for the sake of my servant David, Mm -hmm. I'm staying faithful to the Davidic covenant. It was very important because the Messiah must come from the lineage of David. And remember, God is a God who does not lie. He can't lie on himself. He is holy. Uh, Numbers 23, 19 talks about God is not a God who does not lie. So he made this covenant with David and he was going to keep it and it was fulfilled. Yes. And now we have the covenant of marriage. Husbands and wives make vows to love one another and be loyal to another through good and bad times, sickness and health until death do us part. Sex is a sign and seal of the covenant of marriage, very intimate act that is designed by God for only the marital relationship. It consummates the marriage. It's the most intimate act a couple does, meant only for them and no other. And it is the sign and seal of the covenant of marriage. Yes, the marriage covenant is very important. It is a symbol of Jesus in the church. And it's amazing to think that us as a married couple, we are reflecting Christ in our marriages. Before Christ, I would have never seen that. I just thought like the world would think is you're just married. You're a husband and a wife and you're just coming together. But now it's such a different perspective because my eyes have been open to see what God has done. And God himself is reflecting marriage as Christ and the church. And so 
our marriage reflects Jesus, all of the marriages reflect Jesus. If we are seeking hard after him, that covenant is not something that can be broken by man. What God has put together, no man can take apart. And this is something very serious. In our marriage, we wrote our own vows and we made that covenant before the Lord that we would walk this life together, what God has in store for us until the end, no matter if we're sick, if we're in great health, whatever the case it may be, that we are committed to one another and that God is that threefold cord that's not easily broken. And we honor that and we invite God in our marriage. So we wanted to just kind of quickly summarize some of these covenants. And I think, you know, giving an overview to understand the covenants, hopefully this was really helpful for our listeners out there, because we truly desire for people to know, to have the knowledge of the word. And of course, reading your Bibles, you can follow along with all of these different covenants, but it really is a beautiful thing that the Lord has a greater plan because his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so that's why he is God. We don't know it all, but he made these covenants to show us his character and his character is not flawed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we should be grateful and praise him for these covenants that we could see without the Noahic covenant. We would probably have another flood and the earth would be destroyed. But I'm just so grateful that each covenant that he made, it was fulfilled. It's never failed. God's never gone against his own word or his own self. He is holy, he is good, and he is true. And so I hope that this podcast today to summarize the covenants of God helped you to get a different perspective. There's a great um, study, and I want to mention this by Kay Arthur. It's called Our Covenant God. And there's a book and there is also a study guide. It definitely changed my perspective on each of the covenants. And I definitely recommend that book. I'll put that in the notes, but it is something that allows us to learn more about Jesus, learn more about his character and learn to trust him because when he says something, he will do it. Is there anything else that you want to add? Well, I just love, you know, as part of this uh, family ministry, I love the fact of the application of putting the covenant of marriage in context with all the other covenants and how important Mm. the covenant of marriage is these aren't just vows that we say in order to just have some cute ceremony. These are serious. These, you know, God holds us to our vows and husbands and wives make vows to love one another and be loyal to another through good and bad times, sickness and health till death do us part. And then they, the sex is then the sign and seal of that covenant and consummates that covenant. And that is to be forever. And Jesus went back to Genesis when the religious leaders asked him about divorce. Moses allowed for a divorce. And Jesus said that was because of the hardness of their hearts. God has put together, let no man separate. And those covenants were to be forever. No one was supposed to break a covenant. When you broke a covenant, remember sacrifices went with the covenant 
for the purpose of saying, let this happen to me if I break this covenant. And that's how important the covenant of marriage is. It is not to be broken. We should come in with the attitude that divorce is not an option and that we are going to work it out no matter what. Sometimes that means we have to work it out and while we're in separate houses because things have gotten too toxic while we're in the same house. But Jesus so much wants us to salvage that marriage and help that marriage as much as we can and to do everything that we can to um, make it better because divorce is, according to Malachi, is a violent act. It rips two lives apart and uh, really has a lot of damage to the kids in, in the same way that a violent act does. And it's just interesting to see how the covenant of marriage fits into context and how important it is when you see it in light of all the other covenants as well. Great points. This is wonderful. And I hope that our listeners have learned from our podcast today. We just want to share what's on our hearts and we're excited always to be a part of this wonderful ministry and pour out our hearts and just show what God is showing us. So we will wrap up this podcast and check us out on Instagram. Give us a comment. Let us know what you think. And we just really appreciate all of you. And until next time, God bless. God bless.